Uh, we know how much we all enjoy a walk at Scarborough or Sumner uh, along those wonderful beaches. These are all very familiar places to us. Some of you may have visited or stayed. I know some visited recently, Sister Eveline Retreat House, just up right on the left, up on that uh, whitewash uh, head road there uh, with that stunning view out over the uh, the bay and watching those rather intrepid uh, surfers and it's often a favourite walk for me on a Monday too along the beach and people out walking their dogs and uh, families. But of course we're also aware as in our collect that the sea can be fearsome and that it has its challenges and dangers, hence the need for the Surf Lifesaving Club. And um, going right back to the rescue rowing boats of the past, uh, now transformed into jet boats and jet skis and uh, those that you might see, those bronze bodies on the Bondi Beach and um, various programs like that. I don't, not that I watch them, of course. <laughs> uh, but still you see, don't you, those wonderful young surf lifesavers um, starting up and often going through families, generations, building up their skills and their experience. Marjorie Smart, uh, she's just sent her apology for the moment. She's having her COVID vaccination. So uh, she's just lent me the picture, which is actually just down by the altar there. But this is um, of her great-great-grandfather, Captain George Bruce's clipper ship. And apparently George was the senior captain of his company based in Scotland, and he sailed clipper ships uh, for the tea trade from China uh, in 1843. And I was saying to Marjorie, just about the same time, my great-grandfather, uh, James Bruce, um, they're bound to be related, uh, somehow was also uh, sailing uh, this time in India with the tea trade. So whether the ships passed, we don't know. But also um, about that same time, my German forebears were traveling over the oceans in the San Pauli uh, to come to Aotearoa from Bremen Harbor to Nelson. Uh, arriving in the middle of winter, June 1843, promptly uh, singing, Now Thank We All Our God, fervently in German. Uh, they were well ready to get off after six months in a leaky boat. I don't know if you did, as I uh, did, saw the replica of the Endeavour when it uh, came and travelled around uh, New Zealand and thinking just how small these ships were of the 18th and 19th centuries. Uh, that sailed to from Europe to come here. How squashed and cramped with those um, hammocks and uh, the diet of ship's biscuits competing with the rats and mice, uh, often rampant disease on board and not a few uh, births and deaths uh, during the voyage. Those of us taking the Toreo classes lately have been reflecting on our routes and the journeys that we took to come here. And we all came here on a walker of some sort, uh, whether a canoe or a sailing ship or an ocean liner or an airship with wings. Of course, uh, now the um, ships that we see on the horizon uh, out from Brighton or Sumner are mostly carrying freight. They're mostly container ships uh, coming in to and fro our own port of Littleton. And on any given day, there can be up to 400 foreign seafarers on vessels visiting Littleton Harbour. They're far away from their homes, uh, often with limited 
uh, English limited resources in terms of pay, and as we know, performing very challenging and dangerous tasks at sea. And there too, key workers on the front line of the COVID pandemic, there are some of them, playing an essential role in maintaining the flow of vital goods, uh, our food, uh, freight, medicines and medical supplies out around the Pacific and around the world. But we know the COVID crisis has led to even more uh, difficult working conditions for our seafarers. Uh, we're hearing about uncertainties and difficulties about access to ports or having to be moored further out, uh, whether they're going to be able to get uh, off once they're in port for recreation, uh, difficulties with crew changeovers and meeting ships, delays in getting home to family, often for many months. And of course, that same situation that we find here is magnified the world over. Uh, with over 1.5 million seafarers in one of the world's most dangerous of occupations. Formal pastoral care for seafarers began in the UK with the Reverend John Ashley and the Bristol Channel Mission in 1836. I spent uh, three years living in Bristol and I recall when I was exploring going to Theological College at Bristol, the only thing I knew about it was that the Bristol Channel existed and that it had been swum by a Kiwi swimmer. From John Ashley's ministry up and down that Bristol Channel developed the mission to seafarers, uh, founded in 1856, a mission that now has over 100 chaplains in 200 ports in 50 countries worldwide plus uh, over 100 flying angel centres, as they're called, uh, flying angel for the logo uh, of the mission to seafarers. And here we have our own Littleton Seafarers Centre, just a little building there, but it provides a home away from home for seafarers, uh, Wi-Fi for vital contact with their family members, the chance to chat and relax, uh, have a game of chess or find also help and advocacy where needed. And our own uh, social justice worker, Jolyon White, has done quite a bit helping some uh, seafarers who found themselves stranded, uh, particularly with offshore owners and uh, sometimes uh, getting into some difficult circumstances. And here too in Littleton, the vicar, uh, John McClister, you can see up there, uh, also serves as port chaplain. So that's just a little bit of a Cook's tour of some places important to us on Sea Sunday. Uh, our gospel reading took us today, as on so many occasions, to the inland Sea of Galilee, uh, a place I've been privileged to spend uh, some time in, spend about a week uh, staying there just on the shores of, of the Sea of Galilee and also in it because it was quite hot at the time. So um, it was good to be swimming in the lake there. Uh, a very beautiful part of Israel with fertile crops. And uh, as I was there in August, it was extremely humid and quite a soupy, sort of hazy sort of atmosphere. But prone, uh, as we know it, to storms arising suddenly on the lake from the winds that blow down uh, the steep valley sides uh, on, on, onto the lake shore and onto the lake. 
So much of Jesus' ministry, as we know, was spent amongst the villages and countryside along the lake shore. Uh, the setting of so many stories we know so well. Uh, the calling of the fishermen disciples. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, looking down over the lake. The feeding of the 5,000. Uh, the coin taken from the fish's mouth. And I recall uh, they still talk about St. Peter's fish. Um, it was full of bones, I can tell you that much. Um, but also Jesus going out on the lake uh, and teaching from a boat uh, out on the lake itself using that natural amphitheater uh, acoustics. Today's gospel plunges from the heights to the depths with Jesus and the disciples. When we uh, enter sort of full tilt into the gospel, Jesus has just shown forth his creative power with the stunning miracle of feeding the 5,000 from five loaves and two fish. And Jesus and the disciples and the crowds are all on a high. Uh, John tells us they wanted to make Jesus king. And yet Jesus deliberately chooses to go off by himself to pray, to find his equilibrium perhaps in the presence of his father while he sends the disciples out on the sea, heading towards Bethsaida. But the disciples make heavy weather of it, having a hard time against an adverse wind. And then as it draws into evening and into the night, it's dark. And it gets into the wee small hours of the night, the time when everything looks at its worst. And you start imagining all sorts of disasters and dire things that go bump in the night. And so it is as Jesus walks towards them on the water. All they can think is that it's a ghost. Those brave fishermen are terrified. Let's remember, though, that for the Hebrew people, the sea with its monsters of the deep represented all the forces of primeval chaos that God had subdued in creation. So is this ghost-like figure walking toward them on the sea part of that chaos as well? I wonder, did you notice that Mark tells us that Jesus intended to pass them by? Just what does that mean? Well, for those with ears to hear, this was a large hint that what was about to happen was a theophany, an appearance of God. Both Moses and Elijah had experienced God's presence passing them by, and they needed to be hidden from it. But here is Jesus, and his words to the terrified disciples are strong and comforting. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. I don't know if there are any other fans of the comedy Allo Allo here, but I always think of the French resistance agent, it is I, Leclerc, at that point. It is I. Literally in Greek, ego eimi, I am. That name of Yahweh, the name of God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. So here, as Jesus uses those words, another hint that what is happening here 
is yet another theophany, a manifestation of God, this time in the Son of God himself, who rules the waves, who stands, who beats down those forces of chaos. Then Jesus gets into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, just as when Jesus had stilled the storm. And they were utterly astounded. The word used is at a loss in the presence of divine power. They were struck down with awe. Mark uh, adds a comment, though, about the disciples. They were astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. What's all that about? Well, they had just experienced Jesus' miracle of feeding the 5,000 with those five loaves and two fish. That awesome display of Jesus' creative power. And yet, they're still absolutely gobsmacked when Jesus again displays his power over the forces of creation, the wind and the sea. They are not yet able to add things up. They're not yet putting together just who this is in front of them. They are not yet able to believe in depth that the human Jesus they think they know is in fact God living among them in the flesh, the God of all creation. We have here our beautiful uh, Andrew window just uh, over there, which is is lovely to see at this time of day. Uh, Andrew, the fisherman, and we recall Jesus calling the fisherman uh, on that lake shore of Galilee. And since early Christian times, a boat or a ship has been a symbol for the church. So here we too are reminded that without Jesus in the boat, we struggle against the opposing winds and tides of our society and of our world. Yet, as you might recall from the Sunday School Chorus, With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm as we go sailing home. I've always uh, liked the little prayer. I think it's often attributed to a Celtic or Breton fisherman. Oh God, the sea is so great and my boat is so small. It's said that President Kennedy had that as a little plaque on his office desk. I found the original, slightly longer version of it. Thy sea, O God, so great, my boat so small. It cannot be that any happy fate will me befall, save as thy goodness opens paths for me through the consuming vastness of the sea. Save as thy goodness opens paths for me through the consuming vastness of the sea. May that be our prayer this Sea Sunday with our small boats, the boat of the church, in the name of Jesus, the voyager, who walked on water and who calmed the sea. Amen.